Hi everyone, thanks for joining. My name is Richard Williams and I've been working as a senior risk recruiter for the last 12 years uh, across the London and UK markets. Over the coming months, I'm going to be speaking to risk professionals from across different sectors, getting an idea of the risk landscape, how it looks in the modern day, how it looked 10 years ago and what we think it might look like in the next 10 years moving forward. I'll be speaking to senior risk professionals who can offer advice to people that are thinking about risk management as a career. And I'll be speaking to CROs about their journey and how they got there. And ultimately sharing thought processes on what makes a good risk manager these days. But if there's anything you'd like to hear about, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Hope you enjoy the series and I'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks ever so much. Thanks for joining us, Ross. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about your current role and where you kind of sit in the marketplace at the moment, please? Certainly, my role just now is Group Head of Enterprise Risk Management at Paul. Um, Paul is an independent Lloyd's managing agency. I've been there for eight months. Prior to that, I was the US Head of Risk for Argo, based in the UK, but my team was in the US. And prior to that, I was Chief Risk Officer for a startup property engineering firm that was based in London, but wrote business in Africa. Oh, great. Okay. So quite a good diverse background. Uh, so it'd be interesting to know how risk has evolved throughout those roles. Um, so yeah, what we're quite interested to, to hear about is like who who should own risk, uh, who takes responsibility for it at the moment. So who uh, within your current business and maybe your previous business has taken kind of full ownership of the risk management? Ownership of risk is one of these things that's very much dependent upon the maturity of the business at the time. And it also has a massive linkage to where you're at with risk culture. At Apollo, I, I believe that we have a very strong risk culture, and that is very much set from the tone at the top, from our board and chief exec and, and, and our other executives all the way down to the bottom. What we tend to, to look at is, is that the responsibility of risk is everyone's. Everybody does a, a, a degree of risk management every day as part of their job. The The role of risk management is very much second-line function when you look at it as a three lines of defence. So does that mean that we are not responsible? We are not there to own risk. does not mean that we are not responsible. There's a very big difference there, and it's a key difference. For the first line, it is their responsibility to own and understand and manage that risk. We are there to provide challenge and oversight. And that's the model that we, we operate within all. As I said, it's very much dependent upon what your, your company's risk culture is and also your maturity in terms of risk management. But certainly for Apollo, it's first line ownership, second line oversight and challenge. And then we have the third line that comes in and looks at it from a, a, an audit perspective. Okay. All right. Great. So a very kind of complex, like three lines of defense model. So it's good that you touched on risk culture, something that comes up time and time again. Uh, and I think from where I see it in the market, the role of a CRO is now not just about managing financial risk. It's about operational resilience, but actually like the reputational risks and the cultural risks. How do you think Apollo, you know, and again, across the other businesses you've worked for, how have they managed to shape the risk culture? Because that seems to be quite a difficult thing to get right. Again, you know, as I said, as I said previously, it's very much a taunt from the top. How, how does the exec, uh, the, the board talk about risk? How engaged are they? 
one of the things that struck me when I when I first started with Apollo was that I was I was hearing from the board what's risks opinion on this. It was like, what do you mean? What's risks opinion? But uh, we are normally, in in some places that that I have been, we we're, we're normally almost like an afterthought of oh we better get sign off on. Whereas there's more of an active engagement where I am currently, and it's it. My belief is is that you know the the understanding value that risk can bring. I'm not an underwriter. Uh, I've done a bit of broken in my background before, but we can all offer perspective. We can look at the operational elements that maybe a, a, an underwriter wouldn't think about when they're bringing on a new line of business, or we can look at the external market and say, well, what's happened externally that we can learn from and when we we start talking about risk on the whole rather than on a focus area it, it helps develop that culture and the understanding of what risk is and all of that then feeds up through the culture feeds up it feeds down it feeds left and right and people start to appreciate more about what risk is they are and what it's trying to do and what they should be doing as part of a good sort of corporate citizen for want of a better word and that's really how we've we've tackled risk culture it's Everybody is considered responsible for a degree of it, and their expectations are that if there's something not right, you come and tell us. Yeah, great. So very much kind of an open door policy. Yeah, um, yes, yeah. yeah, which and it's well. No, the key thing is it's not about pointing fingers, and it's not about turning around and saying, "Well, you should have done this differently." It's a case of accepting that we're human beings and we make mistakes, but let's not make the same mistake twice. Let's learn from it and let's move on. Yeah, fantastic. How would you say? culture has changed from you, know, you mentioned you were CRO of a fintech you know who are very much kind of you know led by technology I guess in there do you feel like the culture is quite different within insurance to fintechs so I, I the, the startup that I was in was a, a property engineering reinsurance company okay. so not quite a not quite a fintech but it did have very much of a, a startup mentality of let's get things like let, let's just do what we have to do and it wasn't because we were trying, it wasn't a case of cutting corners. It was a case of how much resource do we have and how much do we need to do to get us to the next point. When you're when you're dealing with a more structured and more mature and established business, it's not a case of what do we have to do. It's what do we need to do to maximize the benefit from it. And and my view is is if I have to do an extra two or three steps to show real business value above what the regulatory requirement is i'm prepared to do that that's interesting to know and then i guess we're kind of moving forward so seeing quite a lot of regulatory change over the last couple of years from your perspective what do you see as being maybe the top three risks as we head into 2024 and i guess some of them might be quantifiable some of them might be slightly more non-quantifiable risks but it'd be good to, to find out your thoughts yeah, it's, it's it's one of these it's one of these questions that seems to come up quite a lot. with the top three risks? Um, yeah. uh, I suppose it depends on what day of the week you're asking it. The the, the, the question can change. The answer to the question can change. I think from an insurance perspective, we've been going through a period of of stronger rates than we've had for a long time, and the market's currently in a good position. The the challenge that we will now face is is as those rates start to soften. We need to ensure that we are still being very disciplined in our underwriting approach and risk selection. That's key because we know that if we if we loosen it too much, there's potential for that to, to bite us through the reserves and through some of the claims that we'll see coming through. 
So I think the the turn in the market and understanding the market trend is is going to be key for us going into next year. We've spoken about inflation a lot. Inflation's still something that's going on. We we we've seen inflation start to drop in the last couple of months. Not to where we want it to be. As, as somebody with a mortgage, it needs to get down a little bit more. Let's be honest. And the same with the interest rates. Um, but again, you know, we have to think about what what does the new normal in terms of interest rate and inflation look like? Have we been living in a a, a, a golden age of inflation and interest rates for the, the past previous years, and that now the new normal is going to be uh, interest rate of around three and a half four percent? We don't know. Um, but we need to start thinking about that. What does that do for us as an insurance company for all those risks that we wrote two or three years ago with the cost inflation uh, factor that we have to build into? Um, and then on a sort of more short tail risk is probably what's going on in the world geopolitically. I had an interesting conversation this morning with, with one of the guys that writes our terrorism cover and, and PVT, which is a political violence. And... You know, there's a lot of things going on in the world. We're going to a US election for next year. So that brings uncertainty within the investment market. And that that tends to have some ripple effects. We've we've seen obviously Ukraine, Russia is still an ongoing conflict. We know that there's tensions between China and Taiwan. We've seen a, a change in power in Gabon. We you know, this morning we were talking about there's some potential murmurings of unrest in Kenya due to a potential government. Uh, credit issue. So there's a lot of things going on in the world that that we we will never get the answer right if somebody asks me for a crystal ball and put down what we think they are. We'll never get them right, but we need to be very clear on what management actions are, what we're going to do, understanding our exposures, and more importantly, making sure that if we do have claims coming in, we're in a position to pay them for our clients and we're in a position to pay them quickly. But I think geopolitical is probably the one that's the, the real question we're just like yeah, probably the trickiest one to, to juggle as well, isn't it? Uh, so I speak to a lot of people, you know, I'll, I'll see similar questions. And I went to the Risk Minds event during the week. And one of the big risks that was coming out of there was around, you know, how do people manage like reputational risk um, and seeing, well, is that a risk that you need to kind of future proof yourself for? Or is it something you need to react to off the back? Is that something that comes up within the business? So I, I actually had a question the other day about reputational risk from somebody in the business. And reputational risk isn't something that you can simply quantify on its own because you have to understand where is the reputational impact coming from, which will then determine your next course of action. Can it be prevented or managed or is it reactive? I think it's probably a combination of the two. Certainly when, when something does arise, your actions will dictate whether your reputation stays intact or not, where are you doing what was right at the time. And the focus needs to be on client. As long as you're focusing on the client needs and customer needs ahead of, of other things at the initial outset, my belief is, is that you'll do fine. You'll be okay because you've been putting the clients ahead and that will in turn pay itself back over the period. But there is a lot of stuff that you can do ahead of it by looking at your scenarios and baking in your, what would the reputational impact be and understanding, again, what would your management action be if this were to occur? Because you can't plan for everything, but you know that there'll be certain steps that you need to take on, on reputational management. And and just being aware of that at the board level and at the senior management level is, is very, very important and, and how you manage that 
react and respond. Yeah, I think that's absolutely spot on in, in terms of what I was, I've been hearing. And I think it's tough, especially at the moment. Yeah, the way that you react and the way that you put your clients or customers first, you know, especially in a world where social media um, can create an absolute storm within a few clicks uh, by any kind of wrongdoing. I think it's really important to, yeah, make sure you react in the right way. If yeah. something does happen, like say so you can't prevent everything, but it's, it is the way you react, which is good. The, the, the biggest challenge that we've got in terms of risk management generally is the fact that it's the availability of good candidates. That's a real challenge, you said. The number of analysts that are coming through that are what we'd say truly engaged is not what it used to be. Um, and what we're finding is that there's certainly a gap. You know, we've got quite a lot of old heads like me that have, have been in it nearly 20 years. And, you know, we've got, we've got senior managers and above that, you know, coming out of the years. But it's that it's below there that we really struggle. And um, it was great if you're the candidate, because you you can then turn around and go, well, actually, I've got three offers on the table. What are you going to do? And at the end of the day, let's be honest, it's the part of it is going to be you need to pay more than you were maybe wanting to pay for that exceptional candidate. Um, and I think that as a, a, a function and as a discipline, we're not very good at blowing our own trumpet on the what the career path could look like for somebody coming in to this type of role. And it's still sort of seen as a little bit of a a, a relation to compliance. And don't get me wrong, I work closely with my compliance, my, my compliance team and I, I, I've always found compliance to be a very useful and, and, and great uh, sounding board for things. But they're two very different disciplines. And I don't think that that's been very clearly articulated when people look at risk management roles. Um, and that makes it difficult to recruit. Yeah. And I think the analyst level across the market, uh, regardless of what sector or you, you work in, I think analyst level is always going to be one of the more difficult areas. It's very competitive, but also, yeah, I think it looks at companies and say, well, actually, like, how much are we willing to invest in training and developing somebody to become what we want, as opposed to, you know, maybe if we don't have the time, we don't have the resource yeah. to actually just bring someone in to hit the ground running at that level is always tough. Uh, but certainly, I think we've seen more people who are even leaving school, leaving university now with, you know, risk management qualifications. You know, it is something that's been brought to people's attention at a stage where maybe 10 years ago, I don't think it was. It is so, interesting to talk about the risk management qualification because actually that's what my degree's in. Right. <laughs> and that was, that, was, that was nearly 20 years ago that I, I got that. I think part of it as well is, is that it's it's the role of the the senior managers and the heads of risk and the CROs to make sure that they're offering that ability to develop because I think there's I've I've been in places before where they come in you do your job and you know that that's it whereas what I've said to my team is is you come in you do your job and I help develop you as do the other senior members of my team and as does the CRO and we want to be able to move you up internally as you as you get better and better at what you do so that we're creating uh, a, almost like a conveyor belt of talent internally. But the other thing that you have to be accepting is, is that nobody's going to stay in the team forever. So my, my challenge is, is that I have to make sure that the team's in the best position possible to, if they want to leave, which someday they will want to leave, that they get the best job possible. I don't want to be hearing about sideways moves because that feels like I've made them. I, I've I've not helped them. I've not helped make them better. I, I want to be hearing about roles that I'm going. 
lessons really good. I fancy that myself, actually. That's when I feel that I've done my job properly because they're kicking on and going to something that's going to challenge them even more. Yeah, I think that's good. And you're right, you know, it's very rare these days that people stay in a place for, for life, as you say. So I think if, if you can become a customer and think, do you know what? We can work for this person. Hopefully they stay and have a long, booming career with us. But actually, if we're putting them in a place where three, five years down the line, they're moving on to something else and we've helped develop them, then I guess you've done part of your job very well. Yeah, exactly. Which is good to see. No, that's really interesting. So if you were an analyst on the market then, you said it's quite a challenge. Like, What advice could you potentially give to somebody who maybe has a year or two experience in the field looking for a new role? Like, How should they differentiate themselves to get his face that'll put you on the spot <laughs> so this this is going to this is going to sound really basic but it's it's a very good indication of how much you want a job do your research do your research on the company understand what they're doing there's been there's been times where we, we've been interviewing and you can tell that the candidate hasn't done the research you can tell and that then puts a question in your mind of do they actually really want to go for this job or is it just it's an opportunity to get away from where they are currently? Also, look at the look at the overall opportunity that this is. Don't look at the money. The money's always going to be there. You will get to where you want to get to in terms of pay. Look at what are you learning from going to this job? What are you going to improve on? And what what opportunities do you see? If it's a growing company, then there's always opportunities in a growing company. If it's a big company, then you learn more about structure and you learn more about the the process that you have to go through. But you know, big companies can be cumbersome and it can take time to get decisions. So you have to go and your eyes open. But think about what is it that you are achieving by making this move. If it's purely financial and that's what motivates you, fine. But if you want to move up through analyst, senior analyst, manager, etc., you need to look at how is this job going to enable me to get to the steps that are two steps away from where I'm just now. That's, that's what I would say to them. Do your homework. Think about what you want to do. Think about what this opportunity will do for you. And then just be yourself. Don't don't go in trying to, I know it's easy to say, don't go in trying to be uh, too confident, but just go in and try and be as relaxed as possible. No, I think that's yeah, good advice. Okay, no, thanks ever so much for that. And look, really good insights. Really key to hear. I must ask, because I have to ask everyone that's got a moustache at the moment, but is it a Movember thing or is it a lifestyle thing? Oh, there's no, my, my wife would definitely say it's not a lifestyle thing. If it hadn't been for Movember, I would have been taken off while I was sleeping during the end. <laughs> and it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely coming off at the end of November. It's doing, it's doing my head. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, good. All, all for a good cause. So, um, I like I say, you know, I think it's, yeah, it's great, great to see them out there. I am. Um, I can't say that I've done it this year, but I've done it before and it was it was tough. It's tougher than you think, isn't it? Yeah, I don't um, enjoy it. Yeah, good. Well, look, we'll make sure we get a link to your Just Giving page or, or if you've got something set up, so that would be good. But look, thanks ever so much for your time, uh, Ross, and look, look forward to speaking in the future. Thanks for listening in, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. We'll be exploring more topics as we go on around risk management. So always keen to hear your feedback. Love to hear what you're keen to hear about on the market. If anyone needs any advice around breaking into the risk market or tips around market intelligence, always feel free to lean on us. We'd love to help. I've been Rich Williams. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.